Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are here to talk about Ember stuff, and there is a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, We are uh, together, we are Ember Weekend, and uh, we are broadcasting from uh, Florida and Texas. I guess that's not really relevant information, but it seems kind of cool, right? Just in case you had to look stuff. Just in case, yeah, in case you're looking at, like, where where are these people recording from? Uh, anyways, um, yeah, so uh, we're on episode 88, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and uh, I think we should probably just dive right in. So the first thing we're going to talk about is, uh, honestly, it's really just like a tweet we saw. Uh, it was in the announcements channel, so maybe you already saw it, but it is uh, that Twitch is now on Ember 2.10. So Twitch is a very, very large uh, streaming video service or platform, I guess. Uh, and uh, they are, I think they're owned by Amazon. It's a huge uh, Ember app. Uh, really cool to see that they were able to push up to 210. Yeah, they uh, noticed they had a 20% app size reduction, which isn't isn't the largest uh, reduction we've seen uh, for the jump, I guess, from maybe, I guess they went from 29 to 210. Um, but, uh, you know, we've seen upwards of you know, 40, 50%. Uh, which I guess means they don't have a lot of templates and a lot of their code is actually JavaScript. Right, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, considering w- what happens on their website, is including that chat, uh, the chat window. And uh, I mean, there's there's quite a bit of JavaScript. It, may, it makes a little bit of sense to me. I feel like template-heavy apps are the ones who benefit the most from the, uh, the Glimmer 2 uh, landing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it still seems like a pretty substantial win when you start talking about the, you know, the quantity of, of people visiting their... Um, their website. So 20%, that's a big deal. So it's really cool. Big, yeah. big props to them. Yep, definitely. Oh yeah. So check out uh, your favorite uh, video game streamer on who, Twitch. Who, who is that? Uh, for me, it's Moon Moon OW because I'm watching that Overwatch stream. Uh, man, I, I just can't, I can't get into Twitch. There's just too, too much going on. It's like, I want to, so I want to watch, I want to watch what they're doing, but then there's this chat that's just like flying by like, an Oh yeah. I know that I, I don't know how to do the chat with yeah. Twitch. I, I feel like it's a, it's an art form that I, I'm just not, I don't have, but right. I, you know, I, I get it. I, I get that it is, that it is a thing, but yeah, definitely not. Uh, but I like watching, uh, I like watching really good people play video games at a, at a level that I probably will not attain. <laughs> right. And the whole, like the, the, the crafting side now where they kind of split it off. Yeah, the creative stuff. I, I think it's pretty it's pretty neat. I've I've watched a few different things. I think I saw somebody uh, do some um, like piano the other day. It was on like the front page, and uh, I was really I was just like, wow, this is super cool. Why? Like I, w- I was expecting it to be some video game, which is cool. You know, it's its own thing. But yeah, it's like some like orchestral piano player or something yeah so it's really neat yeah and there's like uh i love the the dnd ones and the tabletop games i haven't uh, i haven't actually seen it that is pretty cool though oh yeah they're they're good they're they're a little you know you're gonna you're gonna be there for three hours but um, yeah right <laughs> but they're, they're they're fun to watch it's terrible though that you can't watch that stuff on double speed you know because yeah it's all well fun. yeah it's because real time right <laughs> it's, it's a real shame you can't fast forward real life right they make, they'll make they'll make a pill for that at some point all right, the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, something really interesting. I know probably everybody uses Ember Observer um, to, to find add-ons. I know I, I, I used it the other day um, to find a form add-on, um, drop-downs, everything. I just go in there and I type it. It's so nice now. You can potentially do this from Ember CLI. The pull request is still open, but I didn't even know that Ember Observer has an API, and you can, you can pull all kinds of interesting information like the search, but there's an even better part, and that is that you can do code search. So you can give it a you can give it a search term uh, of a specific add-on, and it will show you uh, the line where that term occurs. This is again, this is something that hasn't been pulled in yet, but it works. The functionality is you know is there. 
Um, and so if it doesn't get pulled in Ember CLI, it could totally just be its own add-on. So I definitely think I'm going to be using this in the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think it's it's a huge deal that uh, that you can do the code searching. Um, I was just thinking about like upgrade paths and things like that. And the fact that Ember Observer allows you to search through add-ons pretty uh, quickly, like it's it's pretty fast, uh, is is huge. So uh, now when say you're uh, you're trying to make your uh, your site or your app uh, compatible with Fastboot, you can find the stack trace. You know you're going to have add-ons that uh, potentially are going to cause you some frustration, and you get these stack traces that say, hey, this broke. Um, it would be really cool if you could just go over to, you know, Ember Observer, type in, hey, uh, this is like the 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 stack trace I'm getting, uh, and then it'll tell you what add-on uh, is causing that, and then you could jump over there and either file an issue or help out or you know find out where that nasty you know jQuery is is not is is less is <clears throat> where that nasty jQuery is uh, resting uh, unguarded. Uh, for for the fast boot, uh, and you know, kind of actually contribute more quickly. Uh, I think it'll it'll help a, a, a lot in that in that way. And uh, I was really excited. Um, so that's I, I think uh, Katie Gangler tweeted about that. That was maybe like ten ten days. It's, it's relatively recently, the past couple weeks. Um, they added uh, code search, and uh, I want to say pretty recently there was the the, the ter- uh, Travis Hoover added the search command to the CLI. Uh, which will be really neat to be able to do that all within the terminal. So you get the stack trace from some upgrade that you know you want to check out an add-on that's causing an error, and then uh, just open up a new terminal window, type Ember search, you know, or Ember add-on search, um, you know, foo, and then it will just tell you where it is, and maybe you could like click the link or something like that. Uh, it's a huge deal. I think it'll it'll end up saving a lot of time, and it's it's neat that it's it's so fast. Yeah, I wonder how it's implemented though, because if it's just using GitHub's search under the hood, it's not going to be super great. <laughs> I, sus- I suspect that it's not using uh, GitHub search, but I'm, I mean, I'm not sure. Well, it's definitely cool a thing, thing is, we should probably look into. If it's indexing on its own, like if they have some Elasticsearch, it's like crawling through these these repos, um, and you could do something like uh, filter down to a certain version of an app. So, like I say, the add-on name at one dot one, and then give it a search term, and it tells me the line that actually occurs. Um, that would actually be better than GitHub search because you can't do that in GitHub. Right. Yeah, totally. Especially, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. GitHub search was, uh, was changed. I think it's code search was changed to avoid like some pretty nasty security issues where people check in like AWS keys and stuff anyways. Yeah. So it would be, it would be better if I think, I think you're right. I think it would be better if it wasn't relying on GitHub code search, but I'm not sure. It's definitely something we should look into. Yeah. But uh, anyways, this is super cool work, uh, both by Katie and Travis. Um, I'm like eager to see where that uh, add-on goes in. And I really appreciate Ember Observer. Like it's, you're exactly right. It's like one of those resources that I consistently reach for. Um, And it's, you know, it's so well-maintained and well-groomed that it's just, I don't know, it's awesome. So, yay. So the next thing we're going to talk about is a blog post by Ryan Toronto called The Safety of the Herd. And uh, as the title suggests, uh, it's kind of talking about how to go along with the herd. Uh, in this case, the herd is the uh, Ember.js community. Uh, and basically re- realizing that, you know, whenever you go off the beaten path, sometimes there is very good reason to do that. Uh, but uh, there are like there is strength in community community driven solutions. And uh, it's a really insightful piece. I think it's definitely uh, making a lot of strong uh, cases for, uh, you know, trying to really leverage the the Ember.js community to build better products. Um, but it, it does make some caveats saying, you know, hey, sometimes you do have to go off the beaten path. And 
uh, and explore, uh, but just, you know, kind of weighing and balancing whether or not uh, that's going to be the right move for you down the road. Right. It's like always leave some breadcrumbs. You, you want to be there to find your way back. Yeah, exactly. Like don't, maybe, maybe don't go too far so that you can't find your way back. Because I think that that's something that a lot of people, uh, especially in the JavaScript community are really eager to do where, you know, you go off and all of a sudden you're writing your own build pipeline. So one of, one of the things yeah. to do is never invent your own templating language and then write something that you're going to maintain for like years in this templating language rather than using the community solution. Yeah. Never, never do that. Never do that. Um, actually, you know, that, that, uh, that rendering engine, the, not rendering engine, the, the grammar that you wrote for HBARS is being used by HTML bars, isn't it? Or Glimmer uh, 2. No, no, the, the printer, the, um, the, the printer. It's more, it's more like the knowledge I gained from doing something really, uh, weird and th where I'm the only one using it, uh, let, it paid off multiple times now. Like just last week I used the same, uh, library that the grammar was written in to do another trick in something else that's actually useful and will pay off. So definitely go off the beaten path, but um, realize that that kind of stuff, like when you, when you, when you go off on your own, uh, you're on your own. Yeah, totally. And just, uh, just a little backstory. The HBARS thing, uh, is the templating language that we use on Ember weekend site. And it is, uh, it is basically Haml for, um, HTML bars. Uh, don't use it. And, and yeah, don't use it. Uh, and, uh, mainly because it's not a community solution and, uh, I don't know, it was kind of like, uh, a la emblem, but now our website is, uh, is using this, uh, archaic uh, templating language, right? Where you, where you can't use uh, was it like attributes on a new line or something? Or yeah, like I think no, I think bugs. it's a, it's like yeah, like there's a a block issue where like if you have a block inside of your template, yeah. something weird happens. Which a I, block and an attribute or something. Yeah, which I could totally fix, but then I'm like, oh, if I'm gonna do that, I just just rewrite it all in in HTML bars or well, Glimmer yeah. now. God, that's like two versions of Glimmer have been released since I was. Yeah, like, but, but it's the same. This. I mean, it's the same language. So, I mean, you don't, it's transparent to you. It's still the same. Um, it's still, it's still just mustaches. So, yeah. Although, um, so the interesting thing about it is that it, it actually, what it, what it does is it, it compiles down into the AST that HTML bars uses. Um, so that that's why it, that's why it works. Uh, and now that I'm doing some more work on the printer to print, uh, the, uh, Glimmer stuff back out, um, I could potentially just read in the AST and print Glimmer out now um, and just have a script that runs through and converts them all. So yeah. that's that's the goal. That's why I haven't done it manually is because I'm like holding off until I finish that script, which <laughs> has been like a year of the making. But I'm actually working on it again. So yeah, that's cool. It all comes back around. But anyways, yeah, this is this is kind of the point. Safety of the herd, right? So you want to stay with community-driven solutions so you don't have to chase your tail for like two years. Right, totally. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's a really good blog post. You should definitely check it out. I would actually just bookmark the Ember map, uh, blog because I've seen a, uh, the, the medium, uh, I've, I've seen, we've, we've mentioned like a lot of their blog posts cause they put out some really good content. So check it out and, uh, yeah, stay with the herd, uh, unless it, you know, unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> All right. And this, uh, last thing we're talking about is, uh, some really interesting low level glimmer stuff, um, which I really dig. Um, this is by Chad Hightala. He works at LinkedIn. Uh, and he does a bunch of amazing things uh, all over Ember. Like, there's no specific spot you're going to find his commits. So it's it's really interesting. And this time, um, it's on the Glimmer opcodes. And what he noticed was the wire format that Glimmer uses. Uh, and if you haven't heard of wire format, uh, look it up. It's really interesting. Um, it's basically just an array of uh, strings. Uh, like, and the example he gives is like open element div, comma, you know, probably some attributes for it. Um, so there's this code format that's, that's being used. Well, a lot of those strings are just repeated over and over and over again. They're also kind of long. 
um, and he noticed that there was some optimization you could make in the file size if you just replace those uh, with numbers, which is a code, because you know the integer is just you know one integer long, whereas the strings are effectively however long the length of the string is integers long um, to get the character code. Um, and he noticed some performance improvement, uh, not much when it's gzipped, uh, but importantly, he noticed that there was um, a, a pretty good, like I guess a 10% size reduction once it gets uh, decompressed and turned back into a, its opcode form. Right. So once it's back in memory, it's uh, it's a much larger win than it is when it's gzipped. It's actually interesting. Uh, this is a really good way to describe what gzipping is because he's ostensibly, I mean, he doesn't. he's not writing to a table, but uh, but he's ostensibly doing... Uh, kind of a manual gzip where anytime there's an occurrence of this particular string he instead replaces it with a number a much smaller number and uh and ends up kind of doing that but but gzip does that too so i think he noticed how, how much was it was it maybe nine kilobytes it was like four uh, or something very small yeah yeah so so it's 800 kilobytes or something like that when uh, on, a, on an app he tested it on it's 800 kilobytes when it's unzipped uh, because he's kind of doing that zipping uh, manually, uh, when it's when it's gzipped, the win is smaller. It's it's uh, you know on the order of like three or four uh, kilobytes. Um, but once and once it gets unzipped and put back into memory, and even I guess maybe like the read time, uh, I'm not 100% certain on how that would work. Uh, but anyways, once once it's in memory, you're going to be consuming a lot a lot fewer resources because uh, he, it's kind of still staying that compressed way. Yeah, and uh, the you know the, there's a little bit of a downside. Uh, uh, John, you mentioned this that you know now it's not as human readable. But um, yeah. honestly, I don't think many people. There's probably a handful of people that are ever going to look at these. Um, yeah, but, that's but totally are, true. There's also it's a, there's an easy enough way to you know pass through something and make it pretty print out a, a better version that you can see. But um, but you know he um, he took this a little further too, and he also said, well, you know, um, we also repeat like div and span and table a lot. So we, we can replace those common HTML elements uh, with a code representation. And he noticed that there wasn't much of a decrease. It went from like, this example went from 807 kilobytes to 804 when he did that. So it's like, it's not really worth it. There wasn't a big enough win. So he, uh, that, that commit didn't end up getting merged. Uh, he didn't even he didn't even put that in his PR because it's kind of not worth it if it's you lose some readability uh, for not much of a gain. Yeah, totally. I think I think the the gzipped gain uh, or, or loss or re reduction in size rather uh, was was less than one kilobyte. So it was like a it was like a fraction, like 0.3 kilobytes or something like that. And he's like, yeah, it's not necessarily worth it to do. So the first commit got merged, but that second one not so much. Right, and then, and somebody else you know mentioned that uh, potentially attributes could be done the same way. Um, and it, you know, the further you take this, the more you're getting down into like this be, this becoming a. I mean, it is kind of an assembly language already. Uh, but then basically the only strings you would have are literal strings that were, you know, that are in your code. Um, but you could, you know, you could, you could take this to the, you know, this crazy level um, and, it, and it will, I'm sure it'll, it'll go to whatever level is most optimum. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, it, that makes sense. Uh, I think that there's, there's something, I'm, I'm surprised that it's not like binary actually. Um, because you can send like a binary stream, right? Yeah, and I mean, do some streaming stuff, right? With because because it, it's opcodes, so you're just saying, hey, I'm gonna send you know the next five uh, opcodes or something, right? Well, I mean, when it's gzipped, I mean, it effectively becomes a big, the most small binary string it can. Yeah, it's really, that's true. The, yeah, the you're only right, wins yeah. here are all about how it exists in memory. Um, right. So you know, there's not much you can do to the string because whatever you do to like try and compress it in memory, you're gonna pay for with CPU to you know pull it out of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Uh, yeah, but it's it's super interesting. Uh, this was one of those ones where I was just like, this is just neat. I, I'm glad you brought it up. Chase Chase found it, and it was just like, yeah, this is freaking. This is just cool. Um, and there's a lot of really cool optimizations that are kind of. It's kind of neat to follow along with the Glimmer story, just because there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Matter of fact, uh, I didn't know about enums and TypeScript, and and that's how they're getting the the list. Just a, a nice little enum list. It's super cool. So I don't know. All in all, I think this was a this was a super cool little Easter egg. Yeah, definitely. So don't fear, you know, going into Glimmer Source and checking it out. It's actually, um, it's really well written. If you want to learn some TypeScript, it'll kind of let you get your feet wet a little bit. Um, totally. This, mer- this merge was amazing because it, it, it was it, it was open like four days ago uh, and then and then just merged right in because even though, I mean, you, you would think that this kind of thing would really affect a code base uh, because of the way it's written, it was, it, you know, nine files were changed um, and it's very future proof and you know, it wasn't wasn't a huge effect to do this. Yeah, super cool, and, I, and I'm sure this will be one of many optimizations that are, are being made. I think uh, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff being pushed right now uh, because there's a lot of people trying to really tune performance right now in the Ember uh, in the Ember side, uh, especially like companies like LinkedIn and uh, and at Twitch. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see where where all this uh, is going to take us because um, we're seeing optimizations on like this level. Eventually, we're going to end up with like some really awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, so good job. That's super cool. All right. So sadly, uh, that's that's all we have this week. Actually went a little long, I think, but there's so much more to talk about. Um, we'll, we'll get to it next week. So uh, you know, thanks for sticking around. Tweet at us if you have any corrections. I know we talked about a bunch of stuff and we always make mistakes. And we always forget things. So you can find us at uh, Ember Weekend, all in order on Twitter. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our feed.xml. Uh, so that's yes. on our website. So emberweekend.com slash feed.xml. Yeah. So I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll talk to you next week.